0: ask that as we open up these pages of scripture, we would hear not just the voice of a person or the voice of our own thoughts, but the voice of heavenly wisdom. Please, God, speak to us, and may the things that we explore together and discuss together, may those things have eternal impact, not just upon us, but even upon others. In Jesus' name, let the family say, amen. Amen. All right. So, because school is over, I feel like it's officially summer. <laughs> It's, I don't know, maybe June 21, maybe the, I don't know, what that uh, particular part of the, the moon's path and stuff like the sun's orbit, but uh, I feel like it's summer. And so we are going to actually embark upon a new summer series for the entire summer. We're going to start a new summer series, and the series is entitled Living Lead, Living Lead. I want us to remember, I don't know, maybe I sound like a broken record, that I want us to remember that our whole purpose as a church, as Christians, a body of believers, our whole purpose is to be disciples and make disciples. Do you understand what I mean? It's to follow Jesus and to encourage others, to walk with others so that they can be passionate followers of Jesus too. And it's on the front of our bulletin, we exist to make passionate followers of Christ who seek God, share life, and serve the world. And so this is our mission. This is our purpose. If I sound like a broken record, it's because I'm trying to sound like a broken record. (laughs) Because truth is that vision and purpose, uh, I've heard it said like this, vision leaks. Have you heard that before? Vision leaks. We need to be reminded, refreshed, why we're doing what we're doing because otherwise we just end up kind of in the rat race, so to speak, in the machine but this is more than that. This is about making disciples and being disciples. And so we know this. We know that this is our mission. We know that we're called to be disciples. We know that we're called to make disciples. But the question I have today and throughout the summer is, how clear is our picture of what a disciple actually is? How clear is our picture of what it is that we're called to be and what it is we're called to make. Maybe you've heard the term discipleship. Maybe you've heard the term, yeah, I'm a disciple. But what does that actually mean? What does that look like? Um, I think if we were to be honest, being a disciple, I don't what, what words come to your mind? When you think of disciple, what words come to your mind? What pictures, what, what do you guys think of? Follower, yeah. Apprentice, ooh, learner, student. Yeah, pupil, right? Okay. Maybe not necessarily a desk and stuff. What? A servant okay okay someone who is there not for their interests but for the, the interests of their master okay very good any other words come to your mind sorry oh the visual picture of a dusty person okay cool yeah yeah what were you gonna say bill steward, steward. okay yeah a manager someone who's entrusted not just with their things but someone else's resources Actually, going back to this picture of a dusty person, um, in the Jewish rabbis of the, the first centuries, you know, they, they would kind of give this blessing. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Because when, when a rabbi had followers or disciples, they would go with them wherever the rabbi went. And so it, the rabbi apparently would be in such a hurry at times that they'd be covered in the dust of their rabbi. So yeah, this is true. When we talk about disciple. I think at its essential meaning, it's a learner, someone who's trying to pick up and understand. And they do this via following, following. And so a disciple is not necessarily the leader. The disciple is someone who is being led. And in Jesus' case, because he's commissioned disciples to make disciples, they're being led so that they can lead. Do you understand that? It's kind of a a circular line of thought, but this is what it is. To be a follower is to live a life that is led, that is led by Jesus. And so that's what our summer series is all about, living led. I mean, have you ever had a season in your life where you knew without a shadow of a doubt that you were doing exactly what God wanted you to do? Have you ever been in that kind of thing where like, oh man, this is exact... This is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. Where I'm supposed to be. I don't know. Maybe those are few and far between. But if you've ever had that, you realize, oh, that's like a, that's like a sweet spot to be in, right? Or maybe you know the opposite side of the experience, where you've been anxious, fearful, frustrated, disappointed, guilty, or feeling that sense of like, oh, should I be here? That 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 uncertainty because you're certain that you're, you're. you're that you're not following God's lead or that you have no clue what God is leading you to do. Am I the only person? Okay, no, okay. (laughs) So here's the thing. When we're being led by God, that is an experience that I think each and every one of us, whether we have said it or not, that's an experience that we deeply want. Just to to know. Have you ever kind of let this thought cross your mind? Man, the children of Israel, they had that pillar of cloud by day. And the pillar of fire, but they knew exactly where to go, when to go, right? Wouldn't that be awesome if we could just have Jesus right in front of us so I knew where I should go, what I should say, those kinds of things. Or maybe you've had those experiences where where those things haven't been very clear. You've been longing, God, just give me a sign, you know? Those are those kinds of things that indicate to us, to our hearts, that the life that is led by God is really the life that we all want. In fact, um, there's there's a text in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. It says that all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? What does that say? They're children of God. In other words, when we're actually being led, when we're living this life that is not led by our own convenience or our own impulses, when we're being led by God's Spirit, it's characteristic of a relationship of father and child. I love it. It's that intimate, trusting, it's that dependent son and daughter relationship with God. And I believe that this is something we all want. This is something that God wants for us. And this is something that throughout the entire summer, from now till the end of August, we're going to be exploring how then do we live like this? How then do we live the child, the son, the daughter experience of being led by the Spirit, being led by God? And so with that in mind, We're going to go to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, this is one of those kind of uh, nutshell of a story, this uh, succinct narrative where you have this picture of Jesus and he calls the disciples. And in Matthew's gospel, this is the first time that Jesus actually is approaching them. If you put the, uh, the picture of the rest of the gospels kind of, put that mosaic all together, you realize that maybe he's had some interaction with them before. The Jordan River, they saw him at the Jordan River being baptized and stuff. But we're going to Matthew chapter 4. So if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, this is the first book of the New Testament. If you have found Matthew 4, go ahead and say, I found it. Awesome. All right. Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to begin in verse 18. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. The Bible says, and Jesus... Walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were what kind of men? Fishermen, Fishermen. All all right? So here's Jesus walking along the seashore. Go ahead and let the movie kind of play out in your mind. And you see Jesus observing two others, Simon and his brother Andrew. They're fishermen. And he he then with, I don't know, in the movie, in my mind, I hear background music. I hear strings. You know, there's this kind of epic moment building up. And it says in verse 19, then he said to them, follow me. I don't know what kind of tone of voice you hear, Jesus. But he says those two simple words, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. A very simple directive, right? A very simple call. And yet, it changes the trajectory of these two men's lives. And not just their lives, our lives, right? (laughs) Because they were obedient to this simple call follow me. And so, there it is that the essence of a disciple to be led by someone else other than their money, their purses, their nets, whatever. They were led by Jesus follow me and I will make you fishers. I mean, I mean th- those words are so deep, we could probably spend a, a whole sermon just on that phrase alone. But I want us to realize that even just with how deep this, this uh, commission is, there's kind of an, an open-endedness there. Follow me. Well, what does that really mean? You know, Is Jesus really calling me to follow him? Well, for the disciples, that meant leaving something, leaving their nets, right? It meant uh, trying to, kind of changing their priorities, changing their schedules. So what does that really look like for me in my life, in my shoes? I'm not at the Sea of Galilee. I don't have nets to throw away. But, but what does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? What would that require of me? What habits would need to change in my life? what habits would need to be added to my life or removed from my life and that's the kind of thing we're going to explore all throughout the summer living led. what is it we're going to take a look at one kind of component at a time and we're going to do that by looking through matthew chapter four through seven why because what's very interesting about this call to discipleship and i i like whether you have it on a bible app or not or just like in in hard copy The truth is that this story, this picture, I don't know if this were a photo album. My photo of Jesus calling the disciples is right here. But right before that picture and right after that picture is another scene. Right before it is a scene of Jesus' walk in the wilderness. And then right after it is a scene of Jesus' talk on the mountainside. It's a picture of what Jesus did, and it's also a picture of what Jesus said. And so I wonder if Matthew kind of sandwiches this story of discipleship with these very intentional bookends. Look at what Jesus did, and then look at what Jesus said. And if you're ever wondering what it's like to follow Jesus, then do what Jesus did and live what Jesus taught. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so throughout the summer, that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at these bookends. This week and next week, we'll look at Matthew chapter 4 at the very beginning there. And then for the next 10 weeks after, we're going to look through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Just kind of taking it piece by piece. What does it mean to live the life that is led? And so here we go. You ready? Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. This is the first bookend. And there, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Actually, I'll read verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted, how many days? Forty days and forty nights. Afterward, he was what? As if we needed to know that, right? (laughs) Or as if we needed to be informed. Of course, after forty days and forty nights of fasting, yeah, yeah, this is exactly what we would expect just a little bit of context. Uh, when we see this, that Jesus was led up into the by the Spirit into the wilderness, we have to realize that Matthew chapter 4 comes right after Matthew chapter 3, okay? And in Matthew chapter 3, just the, the few verses right above that, there's this experience where Jesus goes to the Jordan River and he is baptized by someone named John the Baptist who happens to be Jesus' cousin, actually. They didn't meet until that, that very moment. And so... <clears throat> There at the Jordan River, there was something very special that happened. As Jesus came out of the water, does anybody know what what happened as Jesus came out of the water? He was anointed. Yeah, yeah. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says that he was anointed by the Spirit to do good. And specifically, he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 16 that the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove and that there was a voice according to chapter 3, verse 17. What did that voice from heaven say? Yes, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God affirms that this one is being led, right? We read that verse, Romans eight fourteen. If you're led by the Spirit, you are children of God. And sure enough, God was saying, hey, Jesus, what you're doing is it. You are my Son, and I am well pleased with you. And with this in mind, this is the initiation of Jesus' public ministry. This is his anointing for the work, his life call to really transform human history. This is a very significant moment. And the very first thing that Jesus does as he's dripping from the water of the Jordan River, where is the very first place that God leads him? Where is the very first place? Is it the Roman capital? Is it the Jerusalem temple? No, it's the wilderness. (laughs) The Spirit of God led, he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. If this was the Spirit's first priority for Jesus, could it be that in following Jesus, this is the Spirit's first priority for you and me? To be led not to some great stage upon which we can fulfill our life call, but to actually go into a place of Relative obscurity? <laughs> the wilderness. So so here's, here's the key idea. this, The life that is led by God is first a life that is led where? Into the wilderness. The life that is led by God is first a life that is led into the wilderness. Okay, so now, preacher, you're just getting all into metaphors and stuff. So what are you really talking about? What is this wilderness that you are speaking of? I don't know, when you think of the Bible, when you think of Bible stories and you think of wilderness stories in the Bible, um, I don't know, what, what, what kinds of stories come to your mind? What kinds of uh, experiences or feelings come to your mind? Is it a pleasant place? Is the wilderness a place that you just are running to? I don't know, what, what, what stories do you come to mind? Bible associations, yeah. Dependency. dependency. Okay, yeah, this feeling of dependency, yeah. After 40 days being there without food, I'm sure Jesus felt that sense of dependence, yeah. Any Bible stories or other references to wilderness come to your mind? Jonah and the well. Yeah, that was a place of obscurity, that's for sure. (laughs) May not have been like desert with, you know, Joshua trees or whatever, but it was definitely alone by himself and maybe freaked out. (laughs) Yeah, in the wild, for sure. Like literally in the wild. Um, You know, for me, a story that comes to mind is the, the children of Israel wandering for how many how many years was it it was 40 years in the wilderness you hear their story in exodus numbers and deuteronomy and uh i don't know so so when we think of wilderness when we think of this idea of being led into the wilderness we're like wait wait i don't know if i want to go there <laughs> right i don't know if i want to go to the the whale's belly i don't know if i want to go to a place of of, of fear and of trembling for the children of israel that was a, that was a hard place to go Right? Hey, let's just go to a straight line, but no, God wanted them to go through the wilderness. For them, that was a place of affliction. For them, that was a place of trial, of temptation. And uh, while those associations of wilderness are have their merit and have their weight, I'm actually not going to go that direction. So if you're like, trying to connect the dots and, oh, I don't want to go there, don't worry, I'm not going that direction. When God leads us into the wilderness, it's a completely, well, it's a, it's a different kind of wilderness that we're going to talk about today. But before we get there, I just want to say if if you're experiencing a wilderness life right now where you're feeling isolated, alone, tried, um, just totally freaked out because you're not quite sure where in the world God is, I want to encourage you today that even in those kinds of wilderness experiences, God is still walking with you. God is still holding your hand. Um, man, so many passages in, in, this, in the entire scriptures, but in Isaiah especially, there's this really awesome passage, Isaiah 40, verses 27 to 31. The children of Israel are just kind of saying, man, has God forgotten us? Have we been left off the radar of, of heaven? Has, has all of our prayers gone to the junk mailbox, so to speak? And, and God says, no, I haven't forgotten you. I'm the creator of the ends of the earth. I'm the everlasting God. And he will not grow weary. <laughs> And he'll make sure that you don't grow weary either. So if you're walking through that kind of wilderness today, I want to encourage you that God is walking with you too. Uh, but, but today, for what we're talking about, Jesus being led into the wilderness, what in the world are we talking about then? If The truth is that when we look at the word there in, in uh, Matthew 4, verse 1, the Greek, the original language there, it's actually emphasizing not so much a place that is harsh and severe, but a place that is hushed and secluded. Do you follow me? When it says that Jesus was led into the wilderness, it's not to just imply that Jesus was led to this place of thorns and thistles. No, he, he was led into a place that was free of distraction. It was barren and empty. Not because it was a hard place, but because it was a quiet place. And so now we see that, okay, maybe Jesus' first order of business wasn't necessarily to, like, discipline his body and to beat himself up. No, his first order of business was to get alone with God. To allow his life, as the psalmist says in Psalm 46, to allow his life to be still. So that he could know that God is who he is. So the reality is that the Jesus, his first order of business was to seek solitude. And this was not a one-time experience. His withdrawing into the wilderness, this wasn't the only time that he ever did that. In fact, this was a, a regular occurrence. This was something he did with frequency, something he did with, with intentionality and regularity. Just, to, just a, a really quick cross reference in Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says, So he himself, speaking of Jesus, often withdrew into the wilderness. And what did he do there? He prayed, yeah? So this wasn't the only time that Jesus went into the wilderness. He did this regularly. It's very interesting. It says he often withdrew into the wilderness. He found solitude over and over again. And so if we're talking about living the life that is led, here is building block number one. The life that is led by God involves this discipline of the wilderness. It involves the discipline of withdrawing the consistent habit of spending quality, quiet time with God. Maybe some of us are experiencing that, maybe some of us aren't. Maybe some of us have heard that talked about by others, but haven't really made it our own experience. And I just want to encourage you that as we look at these things, the kind of the practical nature of it, that we would find it to be a fresh experience once again. And so this was Jesus' walk, this was Jesus' habit, and guess what? He wants it to be our habit too. He wants it to be our consistent experience too. And so maybe you're asking yourself, no, well, okay, that's nice. That's a nice thing to do, but what's the big deal? Why, why is that such a huge component about being led by God? Well, let me ask this question. Why was it such a big deal for Jesus? Why would the Holy Spirit want to lead Jesus straight from the waters of the Jordan River into the wilderness? I think uh, it, has more, it has less to do with Jesus being maybe an introvert or he just had enough people. To, no, he, he's not like afraid of crowds. But Jesus was very intentional. So why? Why was it? What was his his purpose? What was the Spirit's purpose? Just even looking at this verse. What would you say his purpose was in withdrawing into the wilderness? Just by that. Say it again. Eliminate Eliminate distractions. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of quiet other voices, right? To refocus. Yeah, all of these things. I mean, if we were just to kind of take this verse literally... He withdrew into the wilderness to do what? To pray. (laughs) He wanted to talk with God. I mean, obviously, we can talk with God wherever we are, right? In the car, in our homes, um, at the hospital, praise the Lord. (laughs) But apparently, Jesus found it uh, vital and necessary to do this by withdrawing, (laughs) to commune with God, withdrawing. And so here, Jesus went there to pray. His primary purpose in withdrawing into the wilderness was to connect. To commune with God, not just to think about God, but to actually relate with him, interact with him, talk to him and listen to him. This is what Jesus and maybe you've you've heard me preach on these things before in other places or other settings. And um, the reason why is because it's so essential. (laughs) This is not a message that can just be preached once. But this is something that I personally and I think you can resonate with this that we need to be reminded of and refreshed about Um, very frequently and the truth is that it's hard to say that i'm a follower of jesus if i don't regularly take time to know jesus do you understand what i mean by that it's hard to claim to be a follower of god if we don't consistently and intentionally take time to know god and so for jesus this meant withdrawing into the wilderness um, the other thing you know bernice you mentioned to refocus and i think this was a really big deal for jesus too i mean coming out of the waters of jordan of the jordan river hearing a voice from heaven i'm sure he heard other voices kind of like whoa, whoa, whoa did you you know and there's there's naturally as a human there's naturally a sense of drawing attention to oneself and so maybe jesus needed to refocus hey this isn't about this isn't about me and drawing attention to my popularity this is about fulfilling the mission of god And for Jesus, he withdrew in order to refocus. In fact, uh, in a book, okay, so we're we're talking about connection, sorry. (laughs) Um, We're making a list here of the reasons why Jesus withdrew to the wilderness. So the first one is connection. The second one I would say is clarification, to become more focused on what his priorities were, or maybe rather what God's, his father's priorities were. Notice what uh, is said in this classic book on the life of Jesus, The Desire of Ages. It says he went To the wilderness to be alone. And she's the author here is speaking specifically of the experience in Matthew chapter four. He went to the wilderness to be alone, to contemplate what? His mission. To contemplate his mission and his work. And what's interesting is that Jesus, he would do this, and and there in the wilderness he understood, okay, if I'm God's son, then this isn't about me kind of like taking some throne on earth. This is about fulfilling the will of God. And there in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights he clung to god's voice to, to god's mission for him but we see that jesus didn't just uh, go to the wilderness in order to be clear about his big picture mission but that he actually went to the wilderness to get day-to-day instructions not just the divine you know grand picture mission but the day-to-day marching orders go with me you're in matthew go with me to mark it's the very next book mark chapter one really interesting scene here in Mark chapter 1 verse 35 Mark chapter 1 and I'll start in verse 35 so we're going from Matthew going to Mark Mark chapter 1 verse 35 if you're there say amen all right the Bible says this now in the morning having risen a long while before what (laughs) before daylight He went out, I don't know if I would call that morning just yet, but but apparently this, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a what kind of place? Solitary place. Okay, there again, this wilderness type of experience. And there he did what? He prayed, right? Very similar. So this isn't just something he did, you know, in the 40 days experience, but this is something he often did. And then notice the very next thing that happens. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this what? For this purpose I have come forth. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So here's Jesus. His popularity is building. He's already healing people. He's already teaching in different places. People, crowds are swelling. But then one morning he, he realizes he needs to get away and refocus. He needs to get away and have clarification about what he's really all about. Not just the big picture, but what he should do that day. Next steps. And so for Jesus, he withdrew into the wilderness to receive that clarification. And when the disciples are saying, hey, let's go here. When you've had, maybe you've had other people say, hey, I expect you to do this. Or you just kind of, maybe they haven't even said that. Your family, coworkers, whatever, classmates, they're, they're expecting you to walk a certain way. And then you realize, wait, because of your time with God, you realize, no, 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 I'm here for a different purpose than what you have in mind. And that only comes through the discipline of. The wilderness for jesus that was his regular experience he needed that clarification in fact in isaiah chapter 50 this is an old testament passage that's actually a prophecy about jesus and the work of the messiah and it's talking about how the sovereign lord has given me that's actually uh, is speaking about the messiah has given the messiah a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary he wakens me morning by morning again this is talking about the messiah's hand experience He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. This is a prophecy about Jesus. And sure enough, in the life of Jesus, Jesus didn't have an alarm clock to tell him, hey, let's go out, you know, to (laughs) to depart into the... He didn't have an Apple Watch to tell him when it was time to wake up. No, he had the Father to wake him up. How often? Morning by morning, right? And there, he, he, he had an ear... To listen like one being instructed, and it's very interesting. you know both the passage here and also the one that we read it, read in Mark chapter one, there's this common thread of the morning. For some reason, Jesus found the morning the freshest time for him, and I think that that's uh, an example worthy of following. Maybe I don't know, we don't have to show hands, but maybe some of us consider ourselves morning persons, maybe some of us don 't. <laughs> the truth is that Jesus was w- woken up by the Holy Spirit morning by morning. Why? Because that was a time when other, everyone else was quiet, everyone else was hushed, and his heart and his mind was keen and sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Now, the mornings can be fresh. The mornings can be like a blank slate. Hey, what's next, God? Those kinds of conversations that we can have with our Father. And so this invitation to be followers of Jesus, when he says, follow me, it's actually an invitation to have connection with him, And to have clarification about your next steps. Maybe some of us are in seasons right now. We're like, I don't know what to do about this. Or when this person says stuff around me or to me, I'm not sure how I should respond. (laughs) Maybe in your quiet time with God, maybe God is actually inviting you to an experience of having quiet with him so that he can give you an instructed ear and an instructed tongue. Ah. I don't know how many of us miss that in the mornings or in the evenings, whenever that freshest time is for you. But maybe God wants to invite you to have clarity about the things that you're unclear about. All right, so for Jesus, it was connection that he found in the wilderness. For Jesus, it was clarification that he found in the wilderness. And also, I would say, he found preparation. Preparation. What do you mean, preparation? Preparation to, to do, preparation to work, preparation to meet the demands of each new day. That's why I think he went in the morning. So he could be suited up, prayed up, so to speak, uh, equipped with the armor of God. And it's very interesting, uh, you know, going back to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Maybe, you were, maybe your eyebrow raised a little bit, just, uh, just the way that this verse is phrased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted to be tempted by the devil. And, you know, when I first read that, my natural, like, the commentary that's in my mind says, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness in order to be tempted for the purpose of being tempted by the devil? Is that what the Holy Spirit's purpose was? So that Jesus could be tempted? What's interesting is that the the Greek language and stuff, it it can actually be translated not as a, a verb of purpose, but as a verb of result that he was led up into the wilderness not for the purpose of being tempted but with the result of being tempted i think a lot of us can resonate with this when we commit ourselves to being led by god we notice that the enemy's attempts to uh, to distract and disappoint and discourage man those things ramp up have you ever noticed that like when you t- start taking steps closer to god and you want to l- be led by him the devil's not going to lie down and say oh, okay I'm losing one of my captives. Go ahead, go ahead. No, he's a roaring lion, right? Seeking whom he may devour. The result of Jesus being led by the Spirit was that he was tempted by the devil. Do you follow that? Because he was following God's lead, the enemy saw even more reason to tempt, to try, to distract, and discourage. And I think that we find that to be the case too. That that when we commit, I don't want us to, to fall under the illusion That when we commit to being led by God, when we commit to the discipline of the wilderness, that it it means that we'll be immune, that we have this force field around us that temptation will never come our way, that disappointments will never happen or whatever. No, that's, that's not the case. That's not the case at all. But I would say that it's because, because of our time in the wilderness, because of our quiet before God, we are actually prepared and braced for those temptations. Are you tracking with me today? Yeah? So for Jesus, again, it was, it was connection, it was clarification, and it was preparation because the life that is led by God is first a life that is led into the wilderness. This is the big idea. This is, this is I think, the, the first kind of the foundation layer of living this life that is led by God. It's a life that's connected. It's a life that's clear. It's a life that's prepared. That's the kind of life that I want to lead to. That's the kind of life that I think we all long for. We long for a connection. We long for clarity about God's desires, God's priorities in our lives. We long for preparedness because each new day has its own challenges. Each new day has its own temptations and trials and struggles, hardships. And what are we missing when we miss out on that wilderness experience with God? Maybe we're missing the connection. We're missing the clarity. We're missing the preparation. When we're led into the wilderness, we're led to consistently spend time alone with God. And I would say this because this is something that I think kind of like, uh, you know, just in my years of youth ministry and stuff, like when, when I talk with kids about, hey, let's, let's develop this habit of spending time alone with God, they think to themselves, oh, that's for, that's for grownups or that's for the spiritually elite. That's for the spiritual giants, the people who are, you know, doing great things for God. I'm just little old me. Why can't I just live my life? the way? No, but here's the thing. If we want to truly be led... By God. This invitation to follow me, you know, it's not just for the Billy Grahams of the world. It's not just for the evangelists. It's not just for the leaders out there or wherever. It's for anyone who seeks to be led by Jesus. And so this, anyone who accepts the follow, the call to follow him, to be led by him, is also receiving an invitation to be led, hey, come away into the wilderness. And so, maybe the question now is, okay, so maybe I desire that. Maybe I actually do want to be led into the wilderness, even if it means morning by morning. I don't know. And maybe you're asking that practical question, okay, so what, what, how do I do that? You know, like, well, what, what steps can I take to actually make that happen? Maybe you've had this desire before and you've tried to have time alone with God, but it just hasn't clicked. It hasn't taken root. It hasn't become a habit for you consistently. Or maybe you've had that habit before, and because of life's circumstances and just kind of the way things have turned out lately, you have felt that that was dry and meaningless and you've kind of abandoned it. I don't know where you're at, but the question I want us to consider as we close and wrap up here is how then can we pursue the discipline of the wilderness in our experience? Let me just give three, three practical pointers from Jesus' example, is that right? Three practical pointers as we wrap up. And pointer number one comes from the verse that we've already just kind of been mulling over. It says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Question, did Jesus go there on his own initiative? Yes or no? No. He was led by the Spirit. And I think that's the first key. Practical pointer number one, be led. Be led there. Don't just say, okay, I'm going to be a spiritual giant. I'm going to... Make my way into the wilderness. No, no, no. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you there. You're thinking, okay, I'll I'll just discipline myself. I'll just try really, really hard. I'll flex my spiritual muscle in order to get into the wilderness. No, no, no. That verse, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, that applies even to this very experience. We cannot go into the wilderness by our own strength, but only by God's Spirit. And so even, uh, so pray, pray for the Spirit to drive you, to motivate you, to awaken you. It's really interesting because in Mark chapter 1, um, th- this, uh, uh, when Mark is recording Jesus going into the wilderness for these uh, 40 days, it says that he was driven into the wilderness by the Spirit. He was literally thrown into the wilderness by the Spirit. So maybe that's what we need. Maybe you're not necessarily motivated. You need the Holy Spirit to motivate you. So pray first for the Holy Spirit to lead you there, all right? Second, second pointer, um, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. So if you really want to experience time of connecting with God, take 40 days and 40 nights with no food in, no, I'm kidding, okay. (laughs) But here's, this is actually a really interesting principle. He fasted. He fasted. In order to connect, he found the need to disconnect. Do you follow that? In order to say yes to something, you're actually probably going to have to say no to something else. And so if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to to lead you into the wilderness and you want to say yes to that invitation, you're most likely going to have to say no to an extra 15 minutes of Facebook. I don't know. whatever, Whatever that example is for you, you may have to say no to certain things. And so let me ask you, what are the deterrents? What are the distractions, the things that keep you from that wilderness time with God? If you identify those things, maybe those things are things that sap you of your spiritual desires, sap you of even just like attention span. Maybe they sap you of spiritual hunger and just time itself, energy. Whatever those deterrents are, be willing to fast from those things, to disconnect in order to connect all right third thing third th- okay. <laughs> third thing here um there's there's this really simple habit we looked at luke 5 verse 16 already so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness mark 1 now in the morning having risen a long while before daylight he went out and departed to a solitary place jesus was active and proactive to get out of his current environment in order to focus better And so here's the third tip. Okay, so we're talking about being led. We're talking about fasting or disconnecting in order to connect. And then the third thing is, uh, how would you say this? Manipulate your environment. Recognize the things that are distractions and get away from it. (laughs) Actually control your environment, whether it's the environment of your space, of your time, of your position, of your posture. Maybe it's a certain time of the day that maybe mornings aren't the best time, because you've got little ones that are crying out for breakfast or something, you know? Maybe you need to find a time where it's a little bit more withdrawn and you've departed. Um, Close the door. Turn off the phone. Uh, If you have trouble staying awake, grab a glass of water. Not just to put in your mouth, but to splash on your face. Here's the thing. Whatever it is, withdraw. Get out. Be physically willing to manipulate the things around you in order to secure that time so these three things being led oh sorry um being led fasting withdrawing these are things that that are about securing that time having that time alone with god and maybe you're wondering okay if i'm good at securing the time what then do i actually do in that time uh, next week come back next week you just have to listen to the next discipline uh, but yeah next week we'll talk a little bit more about how to actually open up god's word But what I would suggest to you, if you're wondering, okay, well, that's like seven days away, but I want tomorrow morning to be different, so what am I going to do? Yeah, go ahead, ask God's Spirit, disconnect, withdraw from the things that are distractions. But do simply what Jesus did. When he withdrew into the wilderness, he prayed. Talk with God. Maybe put yourself in an environment where you can actually talk out loud with God and you won't look weird to anybody else. Take a walk with God. Have you ever done that? That's actually so refreshing. To take a walk to be able to like, talk out loud with him and then to be quiet long enough to let him talk to you. Pray. Do what Jesus did. And so here we are. I, I want us to wrap this up here, but simple, simple questions. And I, I actually want to give you a little bit of time to just process this. And I don't know, maybe you're a talker and you actually are better at processing things out loud with someone around you. And um, or maybe you're just like you just need to write some things down. So I want to give you three minutes just to ask some simple questions about yourself. One, do I even desire to live the led life? Do I desire to be led by God? And how strong is that desire? Go ahead and rate that desire in your heart and mind. Is it a five out of ten? An eight out of ten? Fifteen? Out of, I don't know. What, what's your desire for that? Are you comfortable with that level of desire? Do you want god 's spirit to take it up a notch here 's another question of the three purposes for getting out into the wilderness that Jesus found, which of these three purposes which of these three purposes do you actually need the most um, and, and for this, I actually do want to give you an opportunity to to chat with somebody next to you maybe because uh, this is actually something. I've found if you really wanted to secure this time and you live in a household with other people, you may need to work this out with other people. Hey, hey, give me from 6 to 6.30, okay? Just take care of the kids while I do this or whatever. Um, you may need to work that out with, with the people in your household and stuff. So go ahead and talk it through. Take, take a minute, take 60 seconds, 30 seconds each. Which of these three purposes do you actually need the most right now, all right? Ready, set, go. All right, last question. And you can keep talking this through with your partner. Of the takeaways, of the practical pointers from Jesus' example, which of these practical pointers can I most readily put into practice even tomorrow? All right. Which of these three things do I feel like, hey, that's something that I can start doing this week? All right, go ahead. Talk it out. Talk it out. All right. All right. You're wrapping up your conversations. I would encourage you to really listen to each other and and actually pray for each other on these things. Maybe there is a practice here, a takeaway that you want to start implementing into your own rhythm and routine. Go ahead and pray for one another. Um, I'm going to invite our song team up, and we're going to sing a song uh, that maybe you know, um, just about just about getting that secret time with God. And so. Um, I I truly believe that this is God's desire. He really does want to lead each and every one of us into the wilderness. And if it's your desire to be led into the wilderness too, uh, maybe you can stand with us as we sing this song together in the secret, in the quiet place.